0: In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your presence that we feel in this place tonight. Thank you for your spirit that has been manifested in response to our praise and our worship. Thank you for what... You've already done in this place, but God, I pray that now, through your word, your spirit, would minister and work in this service tonight. God, let us hear a word from you, Lord, not a sermon, but a word that would come from you. I pray that you would allow our hearts, you would help us to make our hearts good ground for the seed of your word tonight, that it might find to be able to take root in our lives and be able to produce in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I want to preach to you tonight. Coming out is not enough. Coming out is not enough. I would like to read several verses and probably comment while I read. So that's why I'm letting you sit down rather than remain standing while I read my verses. I'd like to take you to Exodus chapter 6 and verse number 1. Exodus 6 and verse number 1. Children of Israel have been in Egypt for over 400 years now. They have lived in bondage to the Egyptians, but they had a promise. They had a promise that Joseph believed so much that he told them to make him a promise when he died, that when they left Egypt, not if, but when they left Egypt, he wanted them to take his bones with them. His body had decayed, he was not what he was, wasn't even living, but he said, I am certain enough that you're going to go, or you're going to come out of Egypt, that when you come out, I want you to guarantee me that you're going to take me with you, even if all I am is a pile of bones. And so we are coming now to where God has selected Moses, and God is giving Moses instruction as to what he's going to use him to do and that he is the one that God is going to use to lead the children of Israel. And so Exodus chapter six and verse number one, the scripture says this, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go and with a strong hand Shall he drive them out of his land? And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but my, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have established also And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. Just because you've been stuck in your circumstances for a while does not mean God has not heard you. Just because you've been dealing with what you've been dealing with for a season of time, perhaps a long season of time... Don't mistake God knowing where you are with a lack of change in your circumstances. He said to Moses, I have heard the groanings of my people. I haven't done anything about it yet, but I was aware of what's going on. And I have remembered my covenant. I haven't forgotten. Aren't you glad we got a God tonight that doesn't forget Aren't you glad that the only thing God forgets is your sin and my sin when it gets washed in His blood and He makes a choice to never remember it anymore. But other than that, He doesn't forget. And every promise He's made to you and I, every word He's ever spoken to us, He does not forget it. And He is faithful to do what He said He would do. Don't mistake God's delay with God's forgetfulness. Just because He hasn't shown up yet doesn't mean He's not going to show up. He's already got it marked on His calendar. Don't worry about it. The good thing about God is there are no unforeseen circumstances to change His appointments. Anybody ever had something scheduled on your calendar and something planned and marked out and you had every intention of being there but there were unforeseen circumstances that got in the way and you had to rearrange your schedule. Before God ever said what, He also knew when. And when God says when, there's not anything unexpected on God's end. And He knows in advance that when He sets the appointment, He's going to show up right on time. Some folks' problem with the rapture not happening yet is they have confused it not happening yet with the fact that it's probably never going to happen. If I end up dying an old man and the rapture has not taken place yet, there is going to be a day when the trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and those that are still alive are going to be caught up with him. I don't know if these young people feel the same way I felt when I was a young person and those that came before me. But I know as a teenager, I literally believed that I was never going to make it past high school. I literally never believed I'd get to college. I never thought I'd get married and have kids because I thought Jesus was coming. And I'm 43 years old, I passed through high school, I got my college degree, I got married and I got four kids. I'm 43 years old, he hasn't come yet. But just because he hasn't come yet does not mean he's not coming. And I don't care how many more generations may end up living. There is going to be a day the trumpet's going to sound. Because God said it, and if God said it, it's going to happen. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, not I was. I am the Lord. I don't care what the headlines say, he's still the Lord. Yeah. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt, of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Now, let me let me remind some and perhaps inform others throughout the Old Testament. The things that are in the Old Testament were intended to be object lessons, if you will, for us today as the church. Amen. The Apostle Paul said it pretty plainly. He said, these things happen to them for our ensample or our examples, for our admonition and our learning. And so as the church today, we can look at the children of Israel in the Old Testament and learn spiritual principles from the natural things they went through. That's why when it comes to doctrine, it's important. Can it stand, withstand the shadows of the Old Testament? There's a lot of doctrines today that they don't consider the shadows of the Old Testament, the typology of the Old Testament. I'll give you the real simple one. It takes more than just a profession or confession of faith to be saved. It takes more than accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I got a feeling we probably need to preach some more of these things more than we've ever preached them before. Because some of you are trying to figure out if homosexuality is wrong or not. And in the meantime, you're not so sure there's only one way. I've come to tell you tonight there is one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He did not say, I am one of the ways. And you follow me and we're all going to end up at the same place. If you buy into the theology that all it takes is you accepting the Lord as your personal Savior, first of all, show me that terminology in Scripture, which there's no place you can find it. Secondly, I don't know about you, but I didn't want my wife just accepting me 23 years ago. I accept you as my personal husband. I didn't want to be accepted. I want to be wanted. What am I to say? I accept you as my Savior. I mean, if I have to, then no. I don't accept Him. Thank God He's willing to accept me with all my baggage and all my junk. So when somebody tells you, just say, I accept the Lord as my personal Savior, and you're saved, uh, first of all, you can't find it in the New Testament, but second of all, let's see what the Old Testament says. When we look back at the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, which was a typology of salvation, there were several things that happened. They had to come through the waters of the Red Sea. There was some blood that had to be shed. And they were they, they found the Spirit when they got in the wilderness. So Egypt represents the world. Egypt represents the bondage of the world and so for us today when he says to the children of Israel I'm going to bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians what that's saying to you and I is I'm going to bring you out from the burdens of sin and the burdens of the world that you lived under the, the oppression and the depression and the addiction and the change that you lived under and the slavery to sin that you lived under I'm going to bring you out of that Anybody glad tonight that we got a bringing out kind of God? That it doesn't matter what's held you captive and what's had you bound and what's had you enslaved. There is a God that's able to break every chain. Break every chain. And there's nobody that's gone too far that his blood and his power is unable to reach. Most most folks most folks get saved when they're on the bottom. Most most folks don't get saved when everything's going good in life. And everything's fine and dandy, and they're healthy, and they got money in the bank, and they're going on vacations, and wearing nice clothes, and living in nice houses, and everything is good. Most folks end up coming to Jesus when they're on the bottom, and they're finally at a point that they realize, I can't do this anymore by myself. I don't have what it takes to get free from what I've been under. I need something bigger than me to help me out. I'm glad that in 2015 we've still got a bringing out God. It doesn't matter how long you've been enslaved. And again, what you've been enslaved by. His harm is not short. That He cannot reach you. And His blood hasn't lost its power. It reaches to the highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest valley. I'm going to bring you I realize how long it's been that you've been in bondage I understand that it's several hundred years that you've been living in bondage and in slavery but I'm going to bring you out I'm going to deliver you I'm going to do for you what you don't have the power to do for yourself tell them I am the Lord. I will bring them out from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you of their bondage. The taskmasters that you have lived under. The slavery that you have lived in. I I, I don't get I man, I know some of you probably well, hopefully not you, hopefully not, but maybe somebody here but the world may wash me all or or or, or um accused me of being brainwashed and you know i i don't really have a choice but to believe what i believe when i've got a when i've got great grandparents that were pentecostals I, let me just insert this is not in the message really doesn't have anything to do with the message but i got to tell you something i i, I this has just been kind of gnawing at me a little bit lately you know, we, we, we're, we claim to be apostolic, not just Pentecostal apostolic, right? I got to tell you, I, I think I'd almost take some sincere Pentecostals over cynical apostolics. Some of you wear your apostolicism like some badge and you, you, you just don't deal with the Pentecostals very well. I won't interpret any more than that. I don't, I I, I just get bothered by this little attitude about, you know, the way we get sometimes about the people we fellowship with. I'm not talking about the sinners and I'm talking about the people we fellowship with, people that are brothers and sisters. Back to the scripture or back to my point. I got, I got great-grandparents, great-grandfather that was a preacher, great-grandmother who started a church, had a church started in her home. Four, not one, not two, not three, four grandparents, all preachers. Three of them ordained preachers. Paul Papa wasn't ever licensed, was he? I don't think, was he? He was? I'm, wow, I didn't know that. So four preachers started churches. Did, uh, two parents. Not one, two ordained, licensed, Pentecostal, apostolic preachers. So to some perhaps I am here because I'm brainwashed and I just have drank the Kool-Aid. I got to tell you it's some pretty good Kool-Aid. Of course Sweet tea and Kool-Aid are my two favorite, absolute favorite drinks. The pre-sweetened kind. Don't bring me no, sh- no packets of Kool-Aid. Don't, it ain't the same as the as the, the mix that's pre-sweet. So I realize, I realize I realized maybe for some, and again, hopefully none here, but you never know. I don't do this just because I got no other options, no other choice, and I got brainwashed. There's plenty of folks out there that got just as much of a heritage, if I could use that word, as I do, that didn't drink the Kool-Aid. The thing that just so perplexes me, though, (laughs) why would I want to give this up? Because most of what I observe that I would be accepting by giving this up is usually ends in heartache and pain and bondage and I'm not bound tonight I'm not imprisoned tonight I'm as free as anybody and in fact I'm a lot freer than a lot of people Because I'm not driven by where I'm going to get the next fix or where I'm going to get the next drink or where I'm going to get the next cigarette or where I'm going to get the next sexual excursion. I'm not driven by all of that. I've been set free by the blood of Jesus to be free in Christ Jesus, delivered from all of that bondage. And I will take you for to I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God and which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Can you imagine, can you imagine the excitement? I know as as we learn from the Bible they they, they start to leave Egypt and then they get to the Red Sea and they, they are pinned between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army behind and so perhaps the initial excitement when they thought they were leaving waned a little bit when they felt like they were stuck between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. But all of a sudden, they, they see Moses stand up there and hold his rod out over that, those waters. And all of a sudden... Those waters begin to roll back and the ground where the water was becomes dry and, and people start walking through that water and, and now it's starting to settle in. We, 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 we were a little uncertain for a moment if this really was going to be it, but, but God is working on our behalf and, and we're starting to make it away from the enemy and we're starting to leave Egypt. Can you, can you imagine the excitement? to rise up, we're about to leave behind slavery and bondage and all of that that we were in. And and then I realized probably as Pharaoh's army and, and God removed the obstacle that kept them back and they started pursuing the children of Israel again, That there probably was a little more nervousness and fear that got a hold of them for a moment, but when they get to the other side, and Moses then puts that rod out again and the waters The same waters that had parted now come back together and they begin to watch as Pharaoh's army is swallowed up in that water and they realize finally it sets in. This is not a joke. This is the real deal. We've now left Egypt. We've come through the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army's been swallowed up in the Red Sea. It's time to celebrate. I got a feeling, I don't know if they did high fives yet, or not, I don't know if they did chest bumps yet or not, I don't know what they did to celebrate yet, they, they danced, I know that, they, uh, so maybe they did so I don't know what all they did, but I got a feeling, we were, we were in bondage, my grandparents, my great grand, but now we are free. I know some of you. When you got the Holy Ghost, you were the reserved kind. But is there anybody tonight? When you got the Holy Ghost and it got a hold of you, you, you you acted in ways you didn't act before. and You did some things that maybe maybe it wasn't just quiet and calm and reserved. But you maybe you weren't the trained Pentecostal apostolic. But there was some expression of excitement because you realized what had just happened. Surely somebody here tonight is one of those folks, they had to build a buffer around you because you started going crazy and somebody had to make sure you didn't hurt somebody else. The excitement. The excitement that we are now free. And I would imagine it lasted for a while. We're not in bondage anymore we're not under the oppression of the egyptians anymore we have now come out we're not we're not being ruled by hard taskmasters anymore we're 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 not having to do all kind of crazy things anymore to just survive we are now free we're in the wilderness but we're free But that didn't last. And it wasn't too long after all of that. The same people that were excited about coming out now begin to grumble and complain. Now they begin, did you bring us out of there to here, to die? And and they start start wishing, they start wishing to go back. (laughs) We had leeks and garlics and onions. All we get out here is manna. All we get out here is supernatural supply. We want some meat. We want something else to eat. We wish we were back in Egypt. That doesn't seem logical to me. How do you go from anxiously awaiting and looking forward to the day that you come out of Egypt and are delivered to now wishing you could go back. Even though you remember what it was like and what you had to deal with at the risk of oversimplifying. The reason they did that is because in verse 6 he says, I'm going to bring you out. But in verse 8, he says, I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for inheritance. I am the Lord. I want you to understand something, Moses. I'm not just bringing you out of Egypt. That's step one. But the second part that's got to happen is I'm also taking you in. You see, the reason they ended up griping and grumbling and complaining is if all you do is get stuck coming out of Egypt, that only lasts so long, and something begins to tug and you want to go But I've come to tell you tonight, whether you just got in this or you've been in it for decades, you didn't just come out of Egypt and that was the end of it. He said, I'm going to bring you out, but I'm bringing you out so I can take you in. And I'm preaching to some folks tonight that have come out. You've come out. You've been blood bought. You've been baptized in His name and you've been filled with His Spirit and you spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. You've done that part, but you've gotten stuck in the wilderness. And now you're wandering and roaming aimlessly. It was in the wilderness where they create another God to worship. It was in the wilderness where they decide, you know what, we we want some gods we can see, like was in Egypt. So they create a calf to work. it's It's in the wilderness. It's in this time of coming out but getting stuck and not going in. When they first came out of Egypt, they didn't know exactly where they were going. They were all on foot, a couple of million people on a journey leaving behind. You know what? When, when, when we do something nowadays, there's all kind of logistics that go into it. You, I, I, We were talking to Brother Jetty a little bit before they left and, and what his job is and, and, and what he, and, and I mean the military, if they're going to do something, there's all kind of preparation and planning and logistics and make sure you got everything you need and, 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 and I don't know about you, but when I go on a trip, where, whether it's for ministry or for vacation, I want to make sure I got everything I need and, 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 and everything that, that I might need. I want to make sure I got enough gas to get where I'm going or if I'm on an airplane, hopefully somebody did a job right to make sure that plane is going to get me from this gate to the next gate and everything's going to be off. I, I, am, I am expecting everything to be in order. If I get on an airplane and we're sitting at the gate still and the pilot comes on and says, Folks, I'm very sorry, but we've got some mechanical difficulties. You're going to have to get back off this plane. I I, I might be a little frustrated about the delay, but I'm fine with me. I want to know everything is in order. I want to know that we've got what it takes to get where we're going. I want to know how to get there. I I like that. I I know some of you all hate Apple Maps. I, I've, I've never really had trouble with it, and so I, I, I use that. I know a bunch of y'all are Google fans, but I, I still use Apple Maps, and maybe Google does this, but on the Apple Map app on the iPhone, it's got a feature where, where when you're using the GPS, you can look at an overview. It brings you back, and you see a general idea of where you're going. I, that's what I, I like to have a general idea of where I'm going. Millions of people <laughs> follow a man into nothing. <laughs> we have no supplies other than what you're bringing, which probably won't last very long. There are no Walmart, Supercenter, Sand Clubs, Costco, Price Club, anything else along the way that we can just stop if we happen to run out of supplies and get more of what we need. not going to find a sheets not going to find a wawa not going to find an exxon 711 anything else along the way whatever we got that's what we have but we're free Amen. we're not in bondage anymore we've come out of slavery and oppression and, and and so it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that we've got no hotel to sleep in tonight and we've got no place to lay our heads and we might have to all lay down on the hard ground and get dirty and all that and and it might be a little chilly or it might who cares we're not bound anymore we're now free which was a lot like most of us when we first got saved you didn't care what life was like. It didn't matter what the circumstances were. didn't matter if bills were still unpaid, if body still hurt, if marriage was still messed up, if cars still didn't run, if house was falling apart. All you knew was I got the Holy Ghost. I was bound and now I'm free. I was covered by my, the stain of my sin and my past. But now I've been made clean. That only lasts so long. And the next, You know what? When you first got saved, it didn't matter what they sang, who they sang it, how, who sang it, how they sang it. it. didn't matter if it was a new course, old course. It didn't matter if you had a hymnal, a screen, keyboard, guitar, banjo, violin. It didn't matter. Some of you didn't even have to be a fast song to get you to dance. We get mature and it all, we only dance to fast. Y'all didn't dance to just fast songs in the world. Dance to some slow stuff. Some of y'all had enough rhythm when you first got saved that you were able to go to the beat of the slow. Some of you didn't matter how slow it was, you just had one pace. Some of you didn't have anything, all you did was just move. But we get sophisticated and now it takes the right song by the right worship leader at the right moment to get us to do something. Because we've been wandering too long and we've forgotten about where we came from to the point we now think we want to go back. So what has to happen is, while I am excited about where I came from, I've got to quickly get my eyes on where I am going. Because where I came from is not enough to keep me. I'll say that again, and some of you could give me some names and stories of those that prove what I'm saying. Where I came from is not enough to keep me going. Hence the dog returns to its vomit. But what keeps me going is I'm thankful for what he brought me out of. But there's also some place that he's taking me to. And I didn't just come out so I could survive and endure. But I came out because he's going to take me in. tell you where all this started churning in my spirit was just over a week ago, I guess it was eight days ago, at the business meeting, Bishop as our superintendent was giving his devotional to us, to the ministers gathered there prior to the business session that day and he read these verses or at least the third verse I'm about to read to you, I can't remember if he read the other three but... The third verse I'm about to read to you, it was one of those moments that just stuck in my mind and my spirit, Numbers 27 and 15. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. Moses is now at the end of his time. It's about time for him to die. And so Moses says, God, I, I want you to make sure there's somebody in my place. Because they need somebody to lead them. And so this is Moses' prayer. And so he says in verse 17, I want you back to verse 16, I want you God to to set a man over the congregation for this reason, so that he may go out before them and go in before them, but also that he may lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. So I will acknowledge to you in the very literal application of this verse here, it's referring to sheep and you go out of the sheepfold and you come back into the sheepfold. But if you would permit me, and I think I am doing no injustice to the passage to apply it to what I am preaching to you here tonight, he says, I want you, God, to set somebody over them that first of all is going to bring them out. Let there be a man that's going to declare a message of coming out. Anybody tonight can remember back to that first service or two that you came in and maybe you were one of those folks that was pretty much at the bottom and you had lost all hope and the preacher, whoever it was, began to preach and and it was as if it was just you and him or her in a one-on-one conversation and you're sitting there thinking, who talked to him? Who told him all of... You start looking at the person that brought you. Did you tell him? They're looking at you going... So you get past that and all of a sudden something in your spirit realizes this this isn't just a speech, this isn't just a lecture, this this isn't just somebody up there rambling. There's something in the words that are being said. And so next thing you know there's something inside of you that reaches out and says I'm going to start connecting with that and I'm going to take some ownership of that. And you, you came in with no hope and you came in with no, no great expectations for a future but all of a sudden it began to build inside of you and hope started rising and expectations started rising and something inside of you says my life may be a mess right now and it may have been a mess up to this point but based on what he's saying and what I feel it doesn't have to always be that way so God I want you to give them a man that will let them know they can come out Whether it was the first time when you got saved, or some of you that have been in some stuff and some junk for a while, I don't mean necessarily sin, but some difficulties and problems, health, finances, whatever, I've come to tell you again tonight, God can bring you out. So I want you, God, to give them somebody to bring them out. But I want you to also set a man over them that's not just going to help them get out of sin and stop there. But I want you to give them a man that's going to get them out, but also help them find what they can get in. New Living Translation says it like this. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle. So the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Don't just give them somebody, God, that will wander them around in the wilderness. Give them somebody that's going to bring them out, but's go- not going to be afraid of the opposition that's ahead, but realizes there's something in my future and there's something in your future. And if you'll be willing to not get complacent where you are and not be satisfied with just coming out, but pursue going in, Good News translation says it this way. Moses prayed, Lord God, source of all life, appoint, I pray, a man who can lead the people and command them in battle so that your community will not be like sheep without a shepherd. See, The problem is some of us get satisfied because you know what? At least they did have something to eat every day. When there was no water... Miraculously out of a rock, water's provided. Clothes did not wear out. Shoes. Aren't you ladies glad you weren't in the wilderness? <laughs> Shoes did not wear out. You had what you need to get through every day. Some of you have become... you. you You become complacent just having what you need. You come to church to get just enough to get you through another week. I don't think it took too long, maybe, for them to finally get the idea. You know what? We are in the middle of the wilderness, but apparently God is going to provide for us. That's the problem, though, with the wilderness. All God does is supply your need. Just enough for today. No more, no less. He says, I want you, God, to give them somebody, not just to lead them around after coming out of, but somebody that's going to take them in. Hebrews tells us follow peace with all men and holiness. Without which no man shall see God. There's really two parts to holiness. We have a tendency to get stuck on the first. The first part is the set apart. And that's a part of it. But holiness is not just being set apart from and that's it. It's being set apart from, but it's being dedicated or consecrated to. Those that end up resenting and resisting principles of holiness are those that get stuck just separating from. I don't do what I do just to separate from. I do what I do to separate to. I do not. I do not bemoan the fact that this little silver round thing on my finger represents I belong to one female. I don't. I don't. I don't sit at the mall or somewhere else in public and pine away for everything I'm missing. Because I've been set apart. Because I said no to every other female in the world to say yes to one. And I got to tell you, kind of like that old Southern Gospel song says, It gets sweeter. As the days go by. I don't mean it referring to my wife. I mean it referring to marriage and our relationship. I'm I'm, I'm still married because I see what I got. I'm not worried about what I gave up. Some of you are trying to live for God like this. That's the world, and that's heaven, and you're, you know, this is some of y'all trying to live for God like this. I'm trying to get to heaven, but I, I sure am missing some of that. Paul said, forgetting. Amen. Forgetting what's behind I press, but what do I press for? I press towards the mark of the high calling. See, I'm not here tonight preaching to you about heaven in case you just happen to miss it. What I'm telling you is God didn't just bring you out of sin and that's it. But there is something in every life in this place that God brought you out from. But there's some stuff, ultimately heaven, but in the along the way there's some stuff that God intended for you to enter into. And it's the stuff that you enter into that keeps you going, not what you came out of last verse last verse is Hebrews chapter 12 verse number 1 the scripture says this wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Why am I laying aside weights and why am I laying aside sin? Because I've got a race to run. I'm not just laying aside sin and laying aside weights because those things fall on the, on the, on the off limits list of being a Pentecostal. No. I'm laying aside, I'm putting off because I want to run a race. And I want to succeed at the race because there is a goal, there's a destination I'm reaching for. And so I want you to lay those things aside, he says. And here's what you're supposed to do. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The next part is what I want you to really see. Who for the... Joy that was set before Him who for the joy that was set before Him did what? Endured the cross. The word endure there and this I'm sure the pronunciation is not proper but it's that Greek word that is also often translated as patience and in the, in the English it's the word hupopomenim. Whatever, however you say that. And here's what the word means. To stay under. To remain. I haven't remained here for 43 years just to stay out of. I've remained for 43 years because there's something that's gotten my attention to enter in. Figuratively, it's to undergo, it's to bear, it's to have fortitude, it's to persevere. If you haven't gotten a picture yet, the word endure is not some pleasant, wonderful thing. Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, Jesus... Did not go through the cross just simply out of obligation or duty and just as, you know, just, just out of good character decided to do what he had to do. Hebrew says he went through it because of what was ahead. I know some of you, some of you have written me off that I'm not preaching to you and I'm preaching to somebody else because you've been around so long. There's no way I'm preaching to you and yet I'm preaching to you. Because when all you do is come to church two or three times, one, two or three times a week, you just show up at church and everything else is just about you and Jesus and your own little relationship with Jesus. You came out. I'll grant you that. But you haven't gone in yet. Because when I go in, it's not just about me and Him. It's about the fact He brought me out to take me into something. To give me the opportunity and the privilege of being a part of something that I have no right to be a part of. I haven't earned or deserved. Jesus passes by and starts to form His team. It's draft day. He says to a couple of the disciples, Follow me and abstain from all kinds of sin. Follow me and give up that sinful way. Is that that what he said? No. In fact, he didn't even say what I want you to come out of. He didn't even say what I want you to leave behind. He said, follow me. And let's focus on where we're going. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. I'm 43. I've been pastoring in December. I'll be senior pastor for 10 years. I've been co-pastor since 98. I was youth pastor. I was all kind of other stuff along the way. I've been all kinds of stuff, done all kinds of stuff. And God have mercy if I have reached the pinnacle. If where I am now is as far as I'm supposed to go. And I'm not talking about a title. I'm not talking about a title. I am talking about a title i do not mean a title at all. But if this is it, if I have reached the culmination of what there is for me, this is a really big practical joke. I know some of you are more spiritual than I am, and one day I'll try to become what you are. But i got to tell you, there's still a lot of days that what keeps me going is the fact there's something out there that I'm trying to attain. There's something I'm striving for. There's something I'm reaching for. And I'm not just looking at what I left behind, but I'm looking at where I'm going. Oh, Jesus. Can I challenge you tonight? Maybe some of you, you are pursuing that, but so can I just challenge you? Don't ever stop pursuing what you're supposed to enter in. Don't ever stop looking at territory you're supposed to take. When they crossed Jordan and entered the promised land, that wasn't the end either. There were more battles to fight. There were more cities to take. There were more promises to be fulfilled. The good thing about God is there is no limit to what He has and what He can do. I pray... Children that are old enough to have any idea to be listening and understand what I'm saying, but then especially to all of you precious teenagers, I hope somehow that the ministry of Antioch, whether it's the pulpit and the pastoral or youth ministry, I hope somehow we've done a decent job at making sure you understand it's not just about what you got to give up and what you got to let go of and what you can't do and where you can't go and what you can't drink and what you can't inhale and who you can't touch and all that stuff, that that's really not what it's about. What it's really about is I've been called out of something because God has something else for me. See, when I get a little bit of a glimpse of what He wants to take me in, there's nothing I've given up that could be considered a sacrifice. What is it that I couldn't do, places I couldn't go, that I gave up, that compared to where I am now and what God's doing in my life would be a sacrifice? I missed that was too great of a price for what I now have. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Can I tell you tonight, he is an exceeding abundantly kind of God. I don't care what your position is or isn't. I don't care what ministry you're in or you aren't in. There's not a person in this place tonight that if you're honest would not admit where I am is not where I deserve to be. What God has done, is doing, is giving, is blessing me with is not what I deserve and I could never deserve it. But you know what? If that's what's ahead of me and that's what I've been invited to pursue, then I'm not just going to come out and stop and be satisfied with coming out going in. Follow me. I will make you to become. I'm going to make you into something. I, I, I respect some of those religions of the world that it's all about what you give up and you got to live giving it. I I, I the thing that's awesome about God is whatever he asks me to give up, it's not to just so that I can live some life in depression, right. sadness over what I've given up. I, I, I gave up. I let go so that I could go in. Amen. I realize not every person in this place tonight is called to be a preacher is called to be a pastor, is called to be a missionary, is called to be an evangelist. I understand that. But what I also know without a doubt is every individual in this place tonight has something that God called you out of and is calling you into. What's so wonderful about God is What I've been called into, the value of it is not measured by what you've been called into. The importance, my importance, is not based on what God has called me to do versus what He's called you to do. My value comes from simply doing, being, what He's called me to be. And so for every person in this place, he's called you to come in to something. I, I, I'm going to say it. I'm not trying to be unkind or mean, but I'm just I'm preaching to some folks who've been around here a little while. And you, you've become so dissatisfied and, and nothing's good, nothing's right, and, every, and everything everybody does is wrong. And, 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 and you've lost sight of the fact all you're doing is wandering. Because when I'm going somewhere, I will put up with stuff I wouldn't put up with if all I'm doing is sitting complacent and wanting to be at ease and comfortable. I, I, I'm not an overly picky eater. In fact, I, I, I like a variety of foods. I, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I'm, I'm, when I travel, I'm willing to try a lot of different things. There's, there's some stuff I like, and there's some stuff I don't like. When I went to Brazil after high school for two and a half months, I do not like beans. I like green beans. And I don't like beans, the kind of beans that, you know, pinto beans, black beans, whatever. Those, those, I don't like those kind of beans. And the thing at the top of my list that I don't like, and there's a bunch of you, I know you don't understand this, I'm sorry, but I do not like rice. I do not like rice. I don't like the consistency of it. I don't like it. It got no flavor to me, but I, I don't like rice. And for over two months, I ate beans and rice a bunch of times. First reason I ate beans and rice was because I didn't want to offend my host and the hostess. That was first reason. But second reason was, I ain't trying to die here. And if this is what I've got to eat to get me to where I'm trying to go, that's what I'm gonna eat. There's a lot of stuff you'll put up with along the journey if you've got your eye on where you're going. I'm going home tonight. I'm getting in my bed, and I expect it to be comfortable. I got one of them sneak, sleep number beds that I'll sell it to you. You can have it, but I, I got one. I, that's not an advertisement. I'm just telling you what I got. And I'll, I'll make sure the setting is right on it because I'm about to lay in my... I got my pillow. I can't stand feathered pillows, down pillows. I go in a hotel, and your, your head... I mean, what's the point of a pillow when you put your head on it, and next thing you know, your head's right on the mattress? What do you need a pillow for? I got me a nice foam pillow, I put my head on that thing, it barely gives in. I I, I took it last week to camp, if I'm traveling in my car and I'm taking my pillow. Because it's all about me. There have been a lot of times I've gone places and I've I've slept in circumstances that were not my choice. I know some of y'all like to rough it and all that stuff, I don't like to rough it. My definition of camping is in my parents' motorhome. That's it. You want a tent, you want no shower, God bless you. Go have fun. I'll find a hotel and hang out with you in the daytime. At night, I'm going to my bed, my shower, getting refreshed because that's just... But if I'm going somewhere, it's a lot less about all the amenities and it's just about the fact I got to get to where I'm going. Can I challenge somebody tonight that maybe that's been around a little while, don't forget it's not about where you are and you haven't arrived yet, but there's some place to go. And if you just keep your eyes on the destination because of the joy that's set before you, then like Jesus did, you can endure some things. You can stay under some things that you may not want to be in, but I'm, going somewhere, because I didn't just come out, but I'm going in. I'm going to give an altar call in a few minutes, but before I give an altar call, this is an extremely exciting night. To those of you that are in the AML process, I do not promise you we do it this way every time, so please note that. A couple of years ago now, we created a process by which people, male or female, could work to receive a ministerial license. As a church, we have the legal right to give ministerial license. We are a part of an organization, the United Pentecostal Church International. We will continue to be a part of that organization, as far as we know, until Jesus comes. But at the same time, it's not necessarily uh, necessary that everybody that's called into the ministry needs to have a license through them. So a couple of years back, we started the process by which you could do some training and some things to achieve what is called an Antioch ministerial license. And again, it's not just a piece of paper. It is a valid, uh, we have the right to give it. In addition to that, there's a lot of requirements and things that went in, that go in to achieving. Real quickly, just so the hands of those that are currently, we've got some folks in Baltimore tonight that are not here that would, the hands of those that are currently a part of the AML process, Antioch, I mean, look at that, there's, there's several here tonight, several that aren't here, several in Baltimore again. And so, we launched We launched it about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and we have two people who have successfully completed that whole process. One of them is unable to be here tonight, we were setting this night aside to do this and so we will reschedule the other one, and so in just a second we are about to present our first Antioch ministerial license. To someone that has completed the process. To someone that has not just come out. Not just satisfied with leaving Egypt. But understands I've left Egypt. Because i got a promised land. I've got a purpose. I've got a place that God is calling me to. I'm not saying that to say that everybody here tonight needs to be a part of the AML process because you don't. We don't want you all. (laughs) So do not misinterpret what I am saying right now that I am implying or saying if you are not a licensed minister or if you are not in the AML process, you are not fulfilled. That's not what I'm saying get out of the wilderness I'm talking in principle to come out of and not be satisfied with staying or trying to just be saved but to realize there is something God has called me to I'm not just set apart from but I am set apart to so in just a second, we're going to present the certificate and pray. Following that, I will give an altar call to the rest that would like to respond, whatever your circumstances are. So, Sister Trish, if you would come. We are very excited tonight for a lot of different reasons and a lot of different ways to present our first Antioch ministerial license. And this individual set the bar really, really high. When you enroll or when you apply for the Antioch ministerial license program, you come in and you sit down with a group of men from the staff. We talk to you and then we discuss, feel out as best we can in our spirits if this is for you. And if we do, then you start the process. And when we do that, we give you a, we give those that enroll a binder, and it's got, it's got all kinds of stuff in it. You have to be involved, and you have to spend time in the media ministry. You have to get familiar with a lot of different parts of the church and things. There's a lot of videos and books and all kinds of stuff. It has to be done when this individual came in and brought us their binder, brought it with them it was like two or three times the size of what we gave so for everybody else that's coming after you got big shoes to fill so it is Bishop was supposed to be here tonight but he's not feeling great so I'm sad that he's not here since we had announced we are proceeding anyway it is my honor and privilege tonight to present our first antioch ministerial license to brother valentino owens sister owens please come with him Right there. This is not ordination. This is not this. We actually will do that in the future for Antioch ministerial license. But what we are going to do, this is one part we will do every time. We are going to pray for Brother and Sister Owens tonight. So I'd like to ask those on the platform if they would to please come down and join with Brother and Sister Owens. Brother Trombley, who is the uh, coordinator and the energy that helps keep all this rolling and had a mishap on the way to church, and I'm very sorry he's not able to be here for this as well because Brother Trombley has put tons of time and energy into this process. But I'm going to ask these brethren and Mother Wright to join with Brother and Sister Owens pray for them that God will, con- this isn't a start because they're already involved, God's already doing great things, but for God to continue what He's doing in their lives, to continue the fruitfulness and the the growth in their ministry and the way He uses them. So brethren and mother Wright, if you will lay hands on them, if you would, stretch your hand in their direction and let's pray. Father, in your name, thank you for brother and sister Owens tonight. Thank you for the dedication and the commitment. That they have given to this process, but more importantly, that they have given to accepting your call upon their life. Father, we pray tonight for fresh new anointing. That they would be able to continue to enter into what it is you have for them. To understand, God, that with every victory, with every battle that brings a new victory that's not the finality of it all but there's still more that you will call them into and so give them the grace God to never become satisfied and never become complacent willing to settle where they are but to realize that you haven't just called them out and called them in one time but you will continue to call them out of convenience and call them out of, of, of areas that they're comfortable with and into something new Help them to be willing to continue to pursue God what it is. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Bless them, God. Make them fruitful for your kingdom, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. (laughs) In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, as they continue to pray. I'd like to open this altar up to the rest of you tonight. Maybe somebody for the first time needs to say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into what it is you're calling me into. I'm, I'm not just gonna come out of God, but I'm going to go into. Maybe there's somebody tonight, you've, you've, you've already entered into some things, but God is calling you into something new. God's, calling you to a new place to leave behind something else and to enter into something new and so tonight you'd be willing to present yourself to the lord and tell him tonight god i'm not just going to be satisfied with coming out i'm not going to be satisfied with just coming out of the bondage and the slavery and the and the and the taskmasters that i lived under but god i'm going to continue to pursue what it is you're calling me into
1: there's no way to
0: be successful in your walk with God there's no way to make it by just simply focusing on what you're trying to leave behind and trying to give up and not trying to do and not trying to go and not trying to say not trying to think that's not the way to do it But the way to do it is to pursue what it is God has in front of you. What it is God is calling you into. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost drawing some people to go in. I feel the Holy Ghost drawing some people tonight. You've come out, but He's drawing you to go in. You've left some stuff behind. But tonight, He's calling give you to enter in. Away. You've given up some things in the past, but I now He's drawing away. you to embrace some new things ahead of I you.
1: Give away.
0: God, I don't want to just come out of...
1: I, I don't
0: want to just come out of the bondage of sin... I want to just come out of the bondage of my old life. That's not all there is to it, God. That's not all there is for me. You can't survive your walk with God by trying to survive. You can't succeed in your walk with God if all you're trying to do is just get through a day and get through another day, you got to get your eye on what he's calling you to. You've got to get your eye on a land of promise that God has for you. You've got to get your eye on an anointing that God has for your future. A calling that God has for your life. A purpose that God has for your life. Thank you for your delivering power, God. But I also want to experience the power that's able to take me in. Thank you for the power that brings me out of, but I also want to experience the power that takes me into. Come on, young people. Come on young people, I believe there's a call of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight drawing some of you. I know some of you have been at camp all week and God's done some great things for you this past week. Why don't you let Him culminate it in this service tonight? Why don't you let the culmination of it be that you're going to make up your mind. I'm going to pursue what you're calling me into, God. I can't be satisfied. I won't be satisfied with just coming out of. You're only gonna survive for so long if all you've done is just come out of, and that's all it's about. You gotta get your eyes on where you're going. You gotta get your eyes on what He's calling you to enter in. You gotta get your eyes on what it is He's drawing you to.
1: Some of you have been
0: surviving Some of you have been surviving on coming out Some of you have been surviving because you came out But it's not going to last forever Coming out is not going to be enough Just coming out is not going to be enough. There's something you've got to go into. Something you've got to pursue. There's something you've got to press. There's a mark. There's a mark God God has for you. There's a mark that God has for you to press for. There's a mark that God has for you to press towards not just forgetting what's behind and staying where I am but I'm forgetting what's behind so that I can press towards what's ahead of me you'll only survive you'll only put up with so much if all you're doing is coming out of There's a lot more you'll go through. You'll be willing to go through. You'll be willing to endure. You'll be willing to deal with if you got your eye on where you're going. I'm pressing. I'm pressing to enter in. I'm pressing to enter in. Thank you for bringing me out, God. Thank you for bringing me out. But I want to go in. I want to go into what you've called me to. I want to go into the place that you're drawing me to, God. I want to find that promised land that you have for me. I want to find that place you've called me to conquer. I want to find that territory you've given me to conquer, God. Young people, you're not going to make it just by trying to focus on coming out. You're not going to stay in church by just focusing on coming out of. But what's going to keep you is if you get your eye on where you're going. What's going to keep you is if you find the destination. That God has, and you make up your mind to pursue it, and to press and to go after it. Ilabokos ataramahay, ilabrondeyeki ataramos ataramahay. Si lamando rekie ataramos ataramahay. Jesus name. Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name some of you have been trying to just survive some of you've been trying to just hang on why don't you try to why don't you stop trying to survive why don't you stop trying to just hang on why don't you make up your mind to pursue? Make up your mind to go out after. God didn't bring you out of to leave you to die where you are. God didn't bring you out of Egypt to abandon you to just die in the wilderness, but He brought you out of to pursue going into.